G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Oftentimes, we're looking for good books that share biblical truths that help us to live more successfully for Christ. Author Mark Johnston, whose first book was called Marked by Mercy, has written a new book now called Renovation. Mark tells of his own experience overcoming the world of drug addiction, trauma and abuse. He searched high and low for biblical answers for the deeper matters of the heart. Mark Johnston is joining us. Hello, Mark. Welcome along to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Great to be here. Mark, you lead a ministry called Transformation Ministries, and a lot of what happens in that ministry really is based on some of your own experience. Yeah, 100%. Um, As you can imagine, uh, any form of dysfunction that you can see um, we're hitting that front on, and um, it's not easy, but you know it's worth it, and we see great results. And the good thing is, uh, we get to be a part of their victory as well, and see them break through for their own life. Your first book, which I mentioned, marked by mercy, really tells your autobiography. It's your story of go- going through a, a pretty rough time, a lot of dysfunction, as you're saying, and coming out the other end uh, on a transformation process. Yeah. Um a lot of people that don't understand uh, addiction in itself don't really know how challenging that is to overcome. Um, with myself, I was brought up where I was sexually, mentally, verbally, physically abused. And uh, when you've been in seven drug-induced comas um, and the doctor said that I'd be a permanent vegetable, um, Christ puts his grace upon your life and he rescues you from utter darkness and uh, God's given you a message of hope and truth and, um, yeah, transformation. I can only imagine that when you're addressing church groups or when you're invited to speak and sometimes having books opens doors, uh, people can read your story. They say, I need that ministry in my church. I can only imagine when you're up in front of people and you deliver your own testimony, your own message, what sort of responses you're getting from a broad cross-section of people. Well, recently I had a gentleman who used to work for my brother, and um, he doesn't like reading, but for the first time he read my book. Now, he didn't go to church. That's the good news. He didn't go to church, and he read my book, and he consumed it. I had a guy recently who said, this is the first book that I've ever read, and I've broken down and cried. Now, looking at him, he's had a life of crime or drugs and he's pretty well messed up. So when I see even believers read this book, I have not had a reply except for I cannot put it down. It's like from cover to cover, they just consume it. They they want to know what's going on next. They want to know what happened to my life. They want to know where the change come from. To be honest with you, I get amazing feedback and it's really encouraging for me. Do you think that's because they themselves see an image of themselves in the stories that they're reading, or is it because they know someone who is, as you say, messed up, 
and really you're telling their story or you're actually creating some sort of hope for where people are in their dysfunction. 100%, and that's what I think we're all looking for at the end of the day is how do we get a boost in our hope. Um, so what my story does, it shows you that nothing is impossible. Uh, when you're tied up like a wild animal and when you're on the streets hearing voices and screaming out, you sort of say, to, people would say to themselves, how could a man like that change? So, and it's not just that side of it, like people that haven't even had that kind of background, they get encouraged because they hear the testimony uh, in in person about my story and about my family. And to be honest with you, my family from the age of zero to where I am today has absolutely been riddled with dysfunction and drug abuse. And to see God miraculously move and bring change and bring signs and wonders in such a dynamic way, to see them ripped out of hell and to see them discipled and see them full on for Jesus, that to me is a testimony of hope because there's so many mums and fathers, brothers, sisters, uncles and aunties out there saying, I've been praying for my loved one for so long. When are they ever going to change? And that's what my story does. It says change is on its way. Don't ever give in. Don't ever give up. You must come across a lot of people who say, I don't know how I can get out of this deep hole that I have dug. Uh, change is something that for me is just, I've tried and I've tried. I've tried this program, that program. You know, people go into hypnosis and all sorts of different challenges or they try a new drug exactly. to try and get out of the old one. Those sorts of things, people digging big, deep holes for themselves and they wonder, how can I ever get out of it? And uh, when they read your book, they're discovering a new way of hope. Exactly. And look, I didn't paint over the rot. I, I yeah, my, my book is, is it's, it's on octane. It's full of passion. It's full of reality. It's my world. I take you into my world and I don't water it down. And I think the, 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 th- the thing that comes out of it the most is the fact that I say to people, don't ever give in. Just because you've failed in life, just because you've made mistakes and just because you've given it 99 times you've tried to change, just go that one more time. And that's what I think my, my story encapsulates, that ability to never give in, never give up, and just keep hoping, keep believing, and know that God is a good God, that he loves you, that he cares for you, that he's faithful, that he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you, he'll never let you down. And that's what I think where my passion comes from. It comes from the fact that I realize that God literally never has left me. And I think he won me over. His goodness caused me to repent. And now it's been completely changed. I'm discipled. I'm set free. Uh, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't party. I don't take drugs. I don't go to brothels. I don't deal. I do nothing that I used to do. And I'm actually free for once in my life because I just gave it that one more go. Interestingly, when you talk about being free, because people think that their pursuit of drugs, sex, alcohol, rebellion, they think that it is freedom. When did it dawn on you that this is actually not freedom at all? I think it dawned on me when, because I'd take copious amounts of drugs and all types of drugs, it dawned on me when the drug would wear off. And I found the amount of pleasure that it gave me and the amount of release um, it gave me, the pain was twice as bad. When I'd come down or come off uh, tablets or drugs or high drugs or, you know, um, LSD, all these different um, cocktails, my emotional state 
was so intense. I remember, you know, the only way of releasing the pain was um, self-mutilation and hacking my arms and just violence. That's the that's that's the um the effects that I got from that. And I imagine, Mark, that in having discovered Christ, or having Christ discover you, yeah. uh, there's something here which I'd like to explore, which is about how he gets a hold of a life like yours and then uses your testimony to great effect in the lives of others. 100%. And that's, at the end of the day, no one can come to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. And he chose us, we didn't choose him. And we only love him as much as he has loved us. And when I look at, you know, the only confidence that I have is knowing that he begun the good work. Philippians one six says that. He begun it. So if he begun it, it also says he's going to finish it. And the Bible is very clear. It says he's the author. He's the finisher. He's the groundbreaker. He's the one that's going to start your faith and finish your faith. All we need to do is stay connected to him. That's all it's about. And I've realized something in my life is that he is way, way, way more passionate about us than what we are for him. And he pursues us to the nth degree. Our guest is author Mark Johnston, and he's written a couple of books, Marked by Mercy, and his latest book is called Renovation. They are available in the Vision Store, and we'll continue our conversation in just a short while. We're back talking with author Mark Johnston. He wrote the books Marked by Mercy, and his new one is called Renovation. Mark, we've heard some of the deep and dysfunctional things that you were in and that there was a encounter with Christ. But take us beyond that encounter with Christ or that person that shared the gospel with you or how you came to faith. Take us into how you got a passion for the Word of God because without that level of washing in the Word, a discipleship, something that is rock solid that's not moving like the rest of your world was moving. Take us to that how you had an encounter with God's Word. Yeah, I had a gentleman uh, who was a friend of the family. One day we were in at the kitchen sink because a lot of people up to that point wanted me to go to church. They wanted me to go to Bible study groups and um, worship sessions and all that sort of stuff. And they were sort of getting a bit agitated with me because I wasn't really responding uh, the way that they expect me to. And they said, go and talk to him, which was a friend of the family. Uh, his name was John. And I went up to him and started chatting. And he turned around and said, I don't even know why, but he just opened up the Bible to me. And he said, John 3, 3, Mark says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. And he quoted John 3, 5. He said, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and spirit. And he quoted John three sixteen. He said, Mark, God so loved this world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting love. And he said, he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And right there on the spot, from someone that hated reading, I could not read properly. I was out of school at a very young age. I rode home with such great anticipation. I opened the, the Bible. I didn't know biblical hermeneutics. I didn't know homiletics. I knew nothing about the Bible. I actually thought it was a book of palms. I didn't even really know what the actual word meant. But I opened it up, and I was—I had this anticipation. I I thought to myself, I want what this guy has got. And as I started sort of reading down the page, I hit uh, chapter 72 of Psalms, verse 14, and I felt, uh, 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 I can't describe it. The only way I can describe it is I felt someone looking at me face-to-face out of the Bible, and I felt his eyes on my eyes, 
and I he, the words didn't spring off the page. He personally spoke it to me, and he said, I'm going to rescue you from oppression, violence, and fraud because your blood is precious in my sight, and it smashed me like a ton of bricks. Now, I've been addicted to many drugs, and I've been consumed by the things of life, but when this happened to me, I had such an insatiable, ferocious hunger for the truth and the Word of God that I picked up the Bible probably even more intensely than what I did on drugs, and I just read it day and night, and that's what's revolutionized my life. Even to this day, it burns in me like a fire. A lot of people don't read the Bible at all, uh, or if they do have some sort of exposure to it. It's because somebody else is spoon-feeding them or it's the pastor who's saying it from church. They don't have a personal Bible-reading passion. Is there some way that you talk to people about getting this same passion that you've got or do they have to wait for their own bolt of lightning out of the blue and the Word of God, uh, Jesus speaking to them personally. Yeah. How do you th- how do you describe how people ought to be well, thinking about this? The way I see it is if you read the Bible, the Bible gets boring. See, I've read it. Yeah, I know what the, I know what the, the basic text says. So for me, the Bible was really never designed to read. It was actually meant to be studied. And so when you look at 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I think if people can get beneath the surface and actually look for the hidden jewel, the, the diamonds, the, the beauty of what's underneath the surface of the plain text, it will cause a hunger to actually see things on a different plane. So for me, um, I realized that God was the one that desired truth in the inward parts. See, outside of God, you don't desire the word of God. And the Bible says in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1 down in verse 23, I think, it says that we've been born again. See, sometimes we think when we're born again, we think it's just a spiritual experience. But the Bible says, how can they um, preach unless someone sends them? So they've got to be preaching the word of God. And so when we realize that we're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, which is the word of God, which lives and abides forever, we realize that from that seed point, if we keep feeding it, as it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, as a spiritual babe in Christ, if we crave it, that's where we grow up. That's where we develop. That's where we mature. And Mark, your new book is entitled Renovation. And so when we talk about coming to faith in Christ, we go beyond that because we don't just come to faith in Christ and stand still. There is a renovation that's happening in our lives. You're tackling this in your book. 100%. And where I got the word renovation from is, you know, we always hear the, the, the scripture in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. You know, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. I've heard that quoted so many times. So me being me, I get curious and I'm thinking, I want to know the truth inside the truth. And this is what causes a hunger. So I look at the word renew of the mind, renewing of the mind, and in the Greek to the English, it's the word renovation. And I realized something, that God is not um, satisfied with us just getting our head full of knowledge. He actually wants our mind to be completely renovated, just like an old broken down house. He wants us to tear down the wallpaper, rip up the old carpet, get rid of the old tables, get some brand new seating, and he wants us to refurbish and renovate completely and thoroughly our thinking in our mind so that he can bring that transform- transformational power into our life. 
And um, when I realised that, I thought, wow, I'd better do a bit more work on my thinking. And there is a process, isn't there, in that renovation? It doesn't all happen instantly. There oftentimes are lots of things, the baggage that we carry, that we've been brought up with. And when you reflect on your story of that dysfunctional background, you've got to learn a whole lot of new things. Yeah, exactly. And see, when it says the renewing of the mind brings the transformation, it actually is is a continuous tense. It's actually not a once-off event. So renewing the mind is a day-to-day process. It's minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, month by month. So it, it, it's something that we have to actively do. So I actually even went further with this because this is my passion. I'm thinking there's got to be more to this. Renovation, okay, what, is, what does that look like? How do you put something like to it to, to explain it to someone? So I looked up the Kettle's Theological Dictionary and I found out that it means to have your moral and your spiritual vision to the mind of God that has a transforming effect upon the life and it stresses the willing response on the part of the believer. And the sorts of areas you cover in your new book, uh, you talk about truth, you talk about righteousness, taking captive thoughts. Uh, You mentioned renewing the mind, uh, putting off the old man, putting on the new man. And your attitude to the Word of God. These are important elements. And for some people who've been a Christian for a long time, they'll say, oh, well, those are sort of fairly basic things. Yet you're telling your story and you're telling, telling about your encounter. And it's bringing those things to new life for people who are saying, I've had enough of the old. I, I need a renovation here. Exactly. And, uh, you know, the scripture might be simple, but people are left still wondering, Am I applying the right thing? Is it correct, my belief in what the Bible's saying about me? And I actually go into a process of breaking it down for people. Like when it says in Ephesians 4, you know, take off the old man. It's like, okay, what is the old man? And so in context to Scripture, I found out recently that it's not saying the old man that was buried on the cross, that you died to sin. Jesus took your sin on the cross. It's speaking of your conduct. And I looked it up and it means your behavior. So... To take off the old man, it's saying, don't behave the way you used to behave. Wow, that simplifies it for me. Okay, what do I do now? Right in the meat of the sandwich, he says, be made new in the spirit of your thinking. Or one translation says, be made new in the attitude of your thinking in verse 23. So I realized something that if I behave and conduct myself, like in that words, if the pub's down on the corner and I have a gambling addiction, the way I take off the old man Just because I get tempted doesn't mean that I've got major issues. The issue is if I don't stay away from that place, that's the problem. So I've got to behave and conduct myself. Then the next step is I've got to renew my thinking. I've got to take it captive and then I put on the new man. I clothe myself with glorious power, resurrection power, and I activate the life of the spirit inside my life when I renew my thinking. Mark, who's going to be most attracted to your book? Is it going to be young people? Is it going to be people in their middle years? Or is this an anyone book? This is an anyone book. And I hope by the grace of God that's upon my life that I would stir a flame in the hearts of every believer that I come across. That is my deepest passion because I know the power that when someone has the fire of God in them 
and the word of God, like um, I think it was Jeremiah said, the word of God is shut up in my bones like fire. It rubs off on people. And, you know, you could be you know, half lukewarm and backslidden and I don't care and I couldn't be bothered to be in church all my life, but you can't get around fire and not have it affect you and warm you and, and cause that desire to burn in you either. Well, there are going to be listeners who want to get a hold of your new book, and it is really brand new. It's available in the Vision Store. Your first book is called Marked by Mercy. Your new book is called Renovation, and people can go to the Vision Store and they'll be able to access a copy of that book. Mark Johnston, thanks so much for taking some time to share your heart with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Appreciate it. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.